Amen. Well, good morning. Great to see you this morning. Thank you to our worship team and thank you to all of our teams. Just want to say one more time, we're glad you're here. On behalf of Pastor Kathy, we're just delighted you're worshiping with us and we're excited about what God's doing and what God's saying at the Gay Church. If you join us online, we're excited that you're here. Thank you for hanging in there with us. That was probably a little, uh, a little lengthy there, hanging in online, but we're glad you're still here, and uh, we just believe God's going to speak to you and minister to you this morning. We're just talking about prayer and uh, our discipleship classes on Wednesday night. Last Sunday, I was able to listen to Pastor Jordan's message, and uh, I know you were blessed as we just began to explore uh, prayer. So I want to continue in that vein. I know your hearts are open and ready. So you ready to just jump right into the Word of God this morning? Good. Love, I love you, love our church, love your readiness to receive, and I believe God's going to speak to us this morning. Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 14 is where we'll be. And we'll also look at Galatians 4:19 really quickly. They'll put that on the screen for you. If you've got a Bible or a phone, you might want to get that out so you can take notes and just remember where we came from. I want to talk this morning again along the lines of uh, what God's saying to us about prayer, but... I want to teach for a little bit this morning on this subject, tending to the flame within, to the flame within. Why don't you just look at your neighbor and tell them, say, there's a flame on the inside of you. They may not know that. You need to let them know. It's a flame on the inside of you. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3. Paul is praying a prayer for one of his churches, which he often did in some of his letters, and this is one of those prayers. And so he says in verse number 14, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. This is Grandparents Day. So we wanna say that to Jesus be glory in the church to all generations forever and ever. Amen. All generations get to get in on this. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 19, Paul says, My children, my little children, for whom I labor again in birth until Christ is formed within you. Galatians 4, 19, I labor in birth again until Christ is formed within you. And then he prays that his church, that the people that he leads would be strengthened with might in their inner man. 
So I want to look at some of those phrases. Let's just ask the Lord to speak clearly to us this morning as we look to him. Father, we thank you for your presence and your goodness. Thank you for what you've already spoken and, and ministered to us, Lord. But we want to take the next few minutes and we want to open our hearts. We want to still our souls and we want to hear from you. And so, Lord, we ask you to speak today. We don't want just to preach another sermon or teach another lesson, Lord, but we want to hear what the Spirit is saying to your church, to us, your people. So, Lord, we just say, would you open our ears today? We really want to hear living words and, uh, and receive from you. So if you believe Jesus is going to speak to you in the next few minutes, just thank him for it right now and say amen. 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 So Paul tells his church that he wants them to be strengthened with might in the inner man. There's lots of other scriptures in the New Testament we could look at that tell us a very similar thing. And what I want to summarize for you this morning as we begin is just that if you've committed your life to be a follower of Jesus, then that causes us to prioritize our inner world over our outer world so that we can understand that things like this, that whatever is going on within me is always more important than what's going on around me. And that the most important stewardship I have, the most important uh, thing that I've got to tend to, Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, above all else, above your job, above your finances, above your circumstances, above your situation, above all else, guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life. So in other words, Proverbs and all of scripture is telling us that every issue of my life really flows from within. And that if I want my life to be healthy, if I want my life to be whole, if I want my life to flourish, if I want my life to be fruitful, if I want it to be peaceful, then what I have to do is I have to pay attention to my heart. I have to pay attention to the interior part of my life. Another way to say that is I have to pay attention to the invisible part of my life. So it's the invisible over the visible, and it's the eternal over the temporary, and it's the inner world over the outer world. When we pray and when we talk about prayer, we're tending to the inner world of our life. We're paying attention to the invisible parts of our life. And the Bible tells us that when we do that, we're paying attention to the most important part of our life. I want to say it to you like this. The kind of prayers I am praying have a direct effect on the kind of life that I'm living. That was a good place to say amen. You guys, you guys might need a little encouragement today or I'll see if the cafe can bring out some espresso here in about 10 minutes and pass it out in the aisles if you need that. But the kind of life that I'm living is always affected by the kind of prayers that I'm... So that means this, that means if I don't like the kind of life that I'm living, then I might need to pay attention to the kind of prayers that I've been praying. 
because according to the scripture, the way that I pray and engage in prayer, it directly affects the way that my life goes. It affects from the inside out, from the invisible to the visible, from the eternal to the temporary. So a lot of times what happens is we get perplexed about all the visible, all the temporary, and all the external things of our life, and we try to solve them in external, visible, and temporary ways. But that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. You have to go to the source. You have to go to the root. You have to get down to the inside of your life, and you have to do that through prayer. So when we pray, we're dealing with the fountainhead of everything that is my life. There is nothing in my life that cannot be touched by the power of prayer. There's nothing in my life that can't be touched by the power of prayer. There's nothing too small to pray about, and there's nothing too big to pray about. There's nothing that God's not concerned about with my life. And when I pray, I open up the possibility for the supernatural power of God, for the resources of heaven, and for the presence of God to enter into areas of my life so that I learn how to pray. I learn how to engage heaven into every area and arena of my life. And so the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 that there are many kinds of prayers. So Paul says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. You say, when am I supposed to pray? Paul says, on all occasions. Amen. That, that was another good place to say amen. Is somebody in the cafe, bring me some espresso to the, to the audience. We're, we're in an emergency situation here. When am I supposed to pray? On all occasions. How am I supposed to pray? In the spirit. What kinds of prayers am I supposed to pray? All kinds of prayers. So there you go. You get, you get, you get every kind of prayer you want. There's no bad kind of prayers. I'll say any kind of prayer is acceptable. If you don't believe any kind of prayer is acceptable, just go read the Psalms. In the Psalms, you'll find stressed out prayers. You'll find angry prayers. You'll find uh, I'm losing my mind prayers. You'll find really beautiful prayers. You'll find poetic prayers. You'll find prayers that, that move your heart toward God. All kinds of prayers so God can handle any kind of prayer you can offer. And any kind of prayer is better than no prayer. So I heard Pastor Jordan say the other week that, you know, uh, we don't need to obsess about, you know, exactly how well we're doing it. The most important thing that we need to do is recognize that just simply by making a choice to pray. Say, I don't feel like a prayer warrior. I don't feel like I spend enough time in prayer. I don't feel like so-and-so, or I don't feel like I have a relationship with God. Like None of that matters. All that matters is that you are a child of God, and when you lift your voice and call on His name. He hears you. He pays attention to you and he gets involved in the details of your life. That was a better place to say amen. You're doing a little bit better. Amen. So, so when we have to, we have to understand that there's all kinds of prayer and prayer takes place in the spirit. Somebody say in the spirit. Now let me, let me unpack that a little bit for you this way. Let me say this, that the Holy Spirit is a praying spirit. Praying is what the Holy Spirit does. If you wonder what the Holy Spirit's doing, the Holy Spirit's praying. Did you know that? Did you know that, that real 
prayer in the spirit is not even as much you conjuring up prayer and giving it to God as much as you yielding yourself over so that God the Holy Spirit can pray through you. And you'll tap into a whole different vein of prayer if you begin to say, God, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. Then the Holy Spirit inside of you says, that's perfect because that's what I'm for. I know how to pray. I know what to pray. I know when to pray. I know what to do. So let me pray through you. If you'll give me your mouth, if you'll give me your vocal cords, if you'll give me your heart, I will pray through you and we will engage the power of God on your behalf. So how many of you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? How many know the temp, the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you? And you know what the Holy Spirit's doing? He's interceding for you. So if you ever go down to the Holy Spirit's room and you knock on his door and you wonder what he's doing, he's interceding for you. So what prayer is, is really tapping in to what the Spirit is already doing. You say, well, I don't feel like praying all the time. Well, neither do I. But when I engage the Holy Spirit, I found out he's already praying for me and he's willing to pray through me. He's providing the energy of prayer all the time. So any kind of prayer is better than no prayer, but I want to suggest some shifts in our prayer life today that will help us to do three things. And these are not my three points. So do not think that these are my three points. These are just, I don't know what these are. These are like chips and salsa at the Mexican restaurant. Okay. They're free and they don't count against your bill. All right. So So if we make these shifts, here's what will happen. We can live lives, watch this, that are number one, they're more, your life more formed by God. Number two, your life more filled by God. And number three, your life more fruitful for God. So you can be more formed by God, you can be more filled with God, and you can be more fruitful for God. Now, how many of you know that God wants you to be fruitful? But before you can be fruitful, God needs to fill you. But before God can fill you, God needs to form you. Are y'all with me? I mean, we could do this out of Genesis if you want to. The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the earth and he breathed into man the breath of life and then he filled man with his spirit and then he placed man in the garden that he had prepared for man to be so that man could be fruitful. But how many of you know a lot of times we want to be fruitful and we say, God, give me a fruitful life. Give me a blessed life. Give me a a prosperous life. Give me favor. Give me all these things. But how many of you know God can't do that the way he wants to do it until we allow him to fill us and he can't fill us until he forms us. So that's why prayer becomes so important because prayer in its essence is really an exercise in learning how to be formed by God. And so now we get to the, we get to the chicken enchilada part of your meal. So um, on our Mexican, the sopapillas are coming later. So save room for those. Amen. So I want to say, first of all, I want to encourage you to think about this. I want you to think about shifting from transactional prayer to shifting to formational prayer. 
from transactional prayer to formational prayer. Now, transactional prayer centers around what I get from God and what I need God to do for me. And I'm not telling you that that's a, like I said, any kind of prayer is a good prayer. There's no bad prayer. You can pray any kind of way you want. And a lot of times we pray that way. You, you tell God what you need. You ask God to do what you need God to do. And you ask God to give you things. Those are transactional prayers. And there's nothing wrong with praying prayers of petition. But I want to encourage you this morning to shift from your prayer life just simply being transactional to making it formational. And formative prayer centers around how I cooperate with God in what he's doing within me. So let me say it to you like this. The primary purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what I think I need God to do. The primary purpose of prayer is to be properly formed. Selah. That was a good place to say amen. Right. The primary purpose of prayer is not to, for, to get God to do what I think God needs to do. The primary purpose of prayer is to be properly formed. Now, let me tell you why that's so. It's actually completely wrong for us to think that prayer is going to get God to do anything. Prayer, you, you know, like, pr- let me just say it to you this way. Prayer doesn't change God. You, you don't pray and then say like, you know, there's like this meter in heaven and God says, well, you know, when, when Pastor David prays for an hour and 15 minutes, then he fills up his quotient and then he says, well, now let's go ahead and move into his life because he's earned or he's bought some activity from God with his prayer. Prayer and fasting don't change God. Prayer and fasting change me. See, God doesn't need to change. I need to change. And if there's a disconnect between what God is doing or wanting to do and what I'm receiving, it's not because God needs to change his mind. It's not because God needs to be compelled to do something. It's because there's something wrong on the receiving end. How many of you have ever gotten an Amazon package and it was delivered to the wrong house? Right? How many of you know that when that happens, somebody paid the necessary amount of money to be paid, they pushed it on their Amazon app, and the Amazon guy got the package and he headed to the neighborhood, but something wasn't wrong on the sending end. And so if you contact the the, the seller of that product and you say, hey, bro, I didn't get my stuff, and he'd be like, well, bro, I sent it in the mail. I put it in the box and sent it in the mail. On the sending side, everything was fine. There was confusion on the receiving side. That's how prayer works. See, the the confusion is never on heaven's side. And I even want to push a little bit further and just let you know that actually God is always being who God is and he's always doing what he does. 
God doesn't stop being who he is and he doesn't stop doing what he does. What does God do? He saves, he heals, he restores, he redeems, he makes new, he puts broken things back together. That's all God is, that's all God does and he's always doing that. So when you pray, God doesn't go, wow, that's a good idea. Maybe I should do that. No, what happens when I pray is that I position myself. I open myself up. I align myself to better receive what God is already releasing and what God is already doing. Are you with me this morning? So prayer has to be something that I recognize is formational. See, a lot of times we think that prayer, and if you listen to your prayers, you ought to listen to your prayers every now and then, just listen to yourself pray. Sometimes our prayers are actually, it's like we're trying to make God aware of what's on our agenda. It's like God doesn't know that, you know, your child has a fever and you don't have enough money and your coworkers are treating you bad like God needs a news flash. He needs a breaking news alert from, you know, CNN or something to let him know we have an emergency down here. How many of you know Jesus said when you pray, your father already knows. You're not giving him new information. So that means that prayer is not so much me letting God know what's on my agenda, but prayer is actually me getting an opportunity to find out what's on God's agenda. Y'all miss that. So when prayer shifts from me thinking that I need to let God know what's on my agenda and prayer becomes, God, why don't you tell me what's on your agenda for today? And then God says, well, if you'd make this adjustment and you'd change this attitude and you would repent about that and you would humble yourself over here and you say, wow, I didn't know that was on your agenda and you respond in obedience to prayer, then nothing changed on God's end. He was always wanting to bless. He was always wanting to intervene. But you positioned your heart in a new way. And now the resources of heaven are flowing into your life in a fresh and a new way. Are you doing all right this morning? So we need to shift from simply transactional prayer. We're not trying to convince God to do things he's, all, he's not already disposed to do. Prayer positions me to receive what God is already doing. Number two, in verse number 17 of Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says that you, when you pray, you will be rooted and grounded in love. So the second shift that I want to suggest to you is that we shift from being rooted in fear and we begin to be rooted in love. And if there's anything that our contemporary society needs right now, it needs more people rooted in love rather than rooted in fear. And so the only way that we will break out, you say, you know, people get, people get anxious and they get uptight. And I completely understand that because it can be distressing. It can be disconcerting to, to just look at the temperature of the world right now. But here's, here's, here's what I want to tell you. The only pathway out of that, the only way to break through that, the only way to be set apart from that is through prayer. It's only through prayer 
that we find ourselves rooted in something deeper, rooted in the love of God and refusing the temptation to fall into fear, to fall into hatred, to fall into reaction and all the things that come with that. Listen to what Proverbs 133 says. Proverbs 133 says, but those who listen to me will be secure and live at ease without dread of disaster. Wow. In other words, here's what I want to say to you. And I want to say it real bold in 2021. If you're listening to God, you will not live in dread of disaster. Nope, nope, I got to say it again because I don't feel good enough about it yet. Let me say it to you backwards. If you're living in fear and dread of disaster, you are not listening to God. Can I say that one more time, Pastor Jordan? If you're listening in fear and dread of disaster, if you're overwhelmed with fear, you're listening to Fox News, you're listening to CNN, you might be listening to NPR, but you are not listening to God. Because when you listen to God, He calms your fears. He lets you know that He is your shepherd and you shall not want. He will be with you in every Every situation. When you listen to God, you do not live in fear. Number three, when we, when we engage prayer, we shift from a reactionary life to a contemplative life, to a, reaction, a reactionary life to a contemplative life. Now, I know that that may sound a little foreign to your ear, but I just want to point something out to you that in the Gospels, you know, we think, man, how do we live in this day and age? Can I just point out to you that the Gospels make it really clear that Jesus lived in a very reactionary time. You know, like gotcha questions didn't just start happening in the 21st century. You know, where they ask you a question and then if you answer the question, it's like, bam, you know. I knew it. I knew that was what you were going to say. I mean, like, you know, do you want me to pick a couple fun ones or do you just, can you fill in the blanks on your own? I'm not going to pick any fun ones. You pick your own. Okay. Somebody will put it on YouTube and then I'll get a nasty email. I don't want to do that. Right? These gotcha questions. Jesus lived with gotcha questions. So people come up to him and say, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And then they, they come up to him and say, you know, what about John the Baptist? What do you think about him? You know, those are gotcha questions. Those are questions that would have hit the press of Jesus' time. And you know what Jesus did? He refused to engage in a reactionary framework. Jesus said, I don't live in that frame. And so Jesus would say, I am not going to engage your reactionary culture and your reactionary ways. I'm not going to get in some little stupid argument with you about little small things because I am only concerned about the kingdom of God. I'm only concerned about what my father is doing. And so Jesus lived, watch this, Jesus lived as a contemplative. What does that mean? He lived as a contemplative. And let me just say it to you this way. If you're a Christian, then and a part of your calling is to contemplate the beauty and the glory of God. Yeah, what do Christians do? Well, one of the things that we do according to the Bible is we contemplate the beauty of God. 
That's what Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 3. He said, what you need to be doing is you need to be contemplating the glory of God. And then when you do that, you're changed into the same image. So let me just ask you, Christian, when's the last time that you sat around for five minutes and just contemplated the beauty of God? Because that's one of the things that we're supposed to be doing. And could it be that if we were doing more of that, we'd be doing less arguing? Could it be that if we were, if we were more fascinated with the beauty of holiness and the majesty of the living God, that we would be less tempted to engage in all the trivial matters of our day and our age? I think it might be. See, actually spiritual maturity, spiritual maturity is not defined. When I grew up in church, like spiritual maturity was like how many facts about God and the Bible have you memorized? And like when I grew up in church, you got blue stars and gold stars and red stars. And if you memorized a bunch of them, you had a bunch of stars on this poster board and it had like a little grid on it. And you were like a spiritual rock star if you had like gold stars all the way out to the upper right corner of the, of the, of the poster board. Now, if you didn't grow up in church like that, just thank God that you didn't grow up in church like that. Amen. <laughs> But here's what I want to suggest to you, that it's more scriptural to think of spiritual maturity, not as someone who's memorized a bunch of facts or even memorized a bunch of scriptures, but spiritual maturity is people who have contemplated and watched this even wrestled with God. You see, the name Israel in the Old Testament first comes about when Jacob wrestles with God and God says, I'm changing your name because Israel's going to be my people. And watch what God says. My people are the people who wrestle with me. So how do you know who really belongs to God? Have they wrestled with God? Have they engaged God in prayer so that their, their life, their being has been wrestled with God? See, if, you, if I want to find somebody who's spiritually mature, I'm less interested in how many verses you've memorized. What I want to know is have you been to the mat with God? That's, that's how I know you're a real spiritual giant is, is have you ever had God take you down? See, you might be able to quote chapter and verse, but if you've never had God drop you in a headlock and whack you on the mat and say, child, you are mine and we're going to do this my way, then you haven't reached the depth of spiritual maturity. If you've never gotten up from a prayer meeting and walked away with a limp because God touched your life, then you've got... What do we need in the 21st? What do we, we need more people who've been to the mat with God. We need more people who've been in a prayer closet and wrestled some things out because that's the kind of prayer where formation takes place. That's when you go into the wrestling match as Jacob, but you come out as Israel. You go into the wrestling match strutting, but you come out limping. And everybody who meets you from that time on knows that guy's been touched by God. That guy 
has done business with God in deep waters. You see, Gate Church, I believe God's calling us all to do business with God in deep waters. Here's what I want to say to you. Prayer is the primary way that we steward our inner life. Prayer is the primary way that we steward our inner life. I'm going to give you three pictures of your inner life as we get ready to, to conclude this message. So this is like the rice and the beans that goes with the chicken enchilada. Just tell your neighbor the sopapilla is next. So, you know, just so you know where you're at in the course. So your, your inner life, and we, we, we talked about this around Easter a little bit, but I want to remind you of it because Paul uses this language all the time. He says, I want you to be rooted in love. Rooted in love. Rooted is, is like plant language. It's like tree language. And, and so your inner life, the Bible uses this analogy all the time. Your inner life is a garden. And you are the gardener. Like your job is to tend. And guess what? Your garden needs to be watered and tended regularly. I don't know if your front yard is like my front yard, but every now and then my front yard doesn't get the amount of attention that it needs. Sometimes when my dad comes over to visit, he points out to me the areas of neglect that are existing in my flower beds and in my front yard because my dad is a gardener. And so, so how many of you know that you don't have to do anything for weeds just to start showing up and taking over. It's not, you don't have to call the yard man out and say, hey, could you throw some weed seeds down? Like they just happen. All you have to do is nothing and weeds start showing up, right? And when you see a weed filled garden, you see a garden that's full of potential, but it just hasn't been tended by a gardener. It's been neglected. And sometimes our souls are like that. They have lots of potential to connect with God, but they've just got too many weeds that have grown up. And all we have to do is just get into prayer and say, God, let's get rid of some of these weeds. How many of you know, if you try to take all the weeds out of my front flower bed this morning, you're going to have a big job. But if you get like six or seven weeds this morning, and then you go back tomorrow morning, get six or seven more. How many of that's what prayer's like. You don't have to accomplish everything in one session of prayer. You just got to start the regular habit of saying, God, I want to get in your, in your presence. And I want my garden to become more healthy today. You bring yourself into the place of prayer and the Holy Spirit begins to water your garden. So number one, your inner life is like a garden. Number two, write this down. Your inner life is like a gate. Your inner life is a gate. Look at Matthew chapter 16 with me in verse number 18. This is the gate church. So we ought to, we ought to have this, we ought to have this down, but I think we need a reminder this morning. In the message Bible, Matthew chapter 16 says, Jesus says, this is the rock on which I'll put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. 
Don't you love that? It's not like the church is, is backing down from the gates of hell. The church is so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, between earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. This is Jesus's vision for what his people look like and operate. But here's what I want to say to you. You are the gate. Your inner life is the gate. And what prayer daily does is recognize that my gate needs to be opened back up again this morning. Because I went through a day, I went through a season, I went through a week, I went through four days, I went through however, I went through nine months. My gate has been closed up again. It's not that God does anything different. It's that prayer opens me up so that I regularly pray so that I am more open to what heaven has for me. The change doesn't happen in heaven. The change happens in my heart. Prayer opens us up to the presence of God and to the resources of heaven so that we can experience more of each all throughout the day. You see, I want you to think of your prayer time differently. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't, I don't know how much time you're able to spend in prayer in the morning, but what's really important is that you just recognize that what could happen is that the Holy Spirit could just open me up so that I'm more sensitive to God's voice and presence throughout the rest of my day. And, and that, that, that 10 minutes in prayer could, I, I may feel like that's insignificant. No, it's not insignificant because it might, it'll go with you throughout the rest of your day. And so you'll be more open to what heaven's saying and what heaven's doing. The last thing I want to tell you is that your inner life, according to the Bible, is like a gentle flame. It's like a gentle flame. The Bible says that God makes his ministers a flame of fire. And the worship team, you guys can come back if you want to. So this whole picture in the Old Testament of the temple and in the most inner place of the temple, there's this flame, this, this abiding place of God's glory. And, and there's this candlestick that kind of represents this, this flame, this idea of a flame. And so in the Old Testament, we have this picture of the priest operating in the temple. And, and they had a bunch of jobs, but one of their jobs that they did every day was that they took care of the candlestick. The candlestick was burning in the, in the holy place of the temple. And the priest's job was to just trim the wicks and put fresh oil in the candlestick every day. And so the priest would come in and he would do his duties, but he would trim the wick and he would put fresh oil in the candlestick. And as long as the priests were doing their job, then the light was shining in the holy place of the temple. And as long as the priests were doing their job, then the presence of God was staying fresh in the temple of the holy. And so in the New Testament, we don't have a temple to go where we need to take care of. The temple is me. The temple is my inner life. 
And I have to maintain the flame of God's presence, just like the priest had to maintain the candlestick in the Old Testament. And how many of you know that it's a daily thing that I have to just pay enough attention and ask myself, how is the flame of God's presence? See, a lot of times I get worried about us charismatic Christians because we think where the fire of God burns is in a really hot worship service at the gate church on a Sunday morning. And I'm glad you get blessed by that because I do too. And it's an important part of our walk with God. But the most important flame in your life is not the flame that burns on this stage on Sunday morning. The most important flame of your life is the one that's flickering on the inside of you. And when you as a priest take responsibility for that flame, then the Holy Spirit says, hey, I'll breathe on that. I'll blow on that. I'll provide some energy to that. When you take responsibility for your prayer life, the Holy Spirit says, let me add some energy to what you're doing. You see, the last thing that Pastor Kathy wants or any of our leadership want in a time where we teach on prayer is for you to hear something like this. Well, you're not praying enough. You need to pray more. Just get at it. It's hard work. You got to do it. No, 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 no. I don't want you to think like that at all. What I want you to think about is that God loves you unconditionally. God wants to commune with you. God by his spirit is constantly praying for you and wanting to pray through you. So what we're doing is we're just reminding each other this fall at the gate. We're reminding each other this fall at the gate that if we will just start cooperating with God, when we take one step toward God, he takes five steps toward us. And we find energy we didn't know we had. And the flickering flame on the inside of our lives can begin to burn brighter and brighter. All we have to do, it doesn't matter. There's no place for guilt or shame or condemnation. I don't care. You might be on a a 10-year drought from a prayer life. It doesn't matter where you're at because this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, a smoldering wick I will not extinguish and a bruised reed I will not break. Jesus said, you can bring your smoldering prayer life to me. And what I'll do is I'll never quench it. I'll always nurture it to greater life. So wherever we're at in life, wherever we're at in our relationship with God, we can always turn to him and say, God, here I am, renew me. Here's the flame of my heart. So I wanna invite you this morning, just stand to your feet all over the building. Now listen, there's a lot more we can say, and I wanna encourage you, I know we've said it, but I wanna encourage you. Your life could really change by allowing yourself to be be encouraged and equipped to go deeper in your prayer life. So on Wednesday night this week, on Wednesday night next week, we're gonna keep pressing in to these truths. And I'm telling you, I don't know anything else we could do that could help your life change because the life you're living is always connected to the prayers you're praying. That's just how it works. So when you you hear, man, I I I could grow in my prayer life, then that means every area of your life could change. And so right now, we're gonna worship, 
I want you just to turn your hands toward heaven. I want to just invite the Holy Spirit to do what he does right now and to breathe on some smoldering wicks and to breathe on some flickering flames this morning and just say, Lord, would you come and, and, and pour your energy, the energy of prayer, the energy of the Holy Spirit, pour it out in our hearts right now as we turn our hearts to you. Come on, let's lift our voices and sing. Let that be your prayer. been singing prayers. I just want you to take a moment right now, everybody in the building, just to begin let prayer, let the Holy Spirit pray through you right now. Just, you can pray in English, you may pray in a prayer language, but I want you to let God hear the cry of your heart right now this morning. Say, God, I want more of you. God, I want my life, I want my garden to be nourished. Lord, I want my life to be fruitful. Lord, I want my life to be pleasing. The words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart. God, I want my life to be a sweet-smelling aroma that rises to you. God, get down. I invite you in to the interior parts of my life. I invite your 
your transforming love, your transforming power. Your presence, God, is what I long for. Your presence, God, is what I live for. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my way, but your way, God. Not my timing, but your timing, God. Not mine, but yours. God, I must decrease and you must increase. God, I long, come on, let him hear you for just a minute, Gate Church. Oh, let him hear your voice. Come on, something's happening right now. Somebody's connecting with God. Somebody's gate is opening up wider. Somebody's, somebody's realigning themselves. For all week long, you'll have a, a clear connection with the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we just pray. We pray that you would realign us. God, we pray that you would forgive us. We pray that you would give us grace to release forgiveness. God, we wanna be in line with what you're doing. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. God, whatever's opposing your kingdom, whatever's opposing your will in my heart and in my mind, I surrender it over to you. I give it over to you. And I say, God, I want to live for you. I'm going to invite our prayer teams down front right now. We're getting ready to release those of you that need to go. But I just want to open up these altars this morning for anybody who says, man, I need to, I need to go deeper in a connection with God this morning. I need, I need something to happen on the inside of me. I need the breath of God to breathe into me. So our worship team's just going to quietly lead us in worship. I'm going to speak a blessing over the congregation, but I want to encourage you today. Don't leave if you need a touch from God. Don't need, if God's tugging on your heart this morning, there's something deep on the inside that he's wanting to do in you. And I want to encourage you, come down to this altar and say, God, here I am. Whether you pray with somebody or not, make yourself available to God and say, here I am, God, do what you need to do. God, I come back to you right now. And God can reinvigorate. He can re-enlive. He can re-energize your prayer life and your walk with him today. So Gate Church, we just say you're blessed today with the peace and the presence of God. We say that Monday through Saturday will be filled with the presence of God. We say you'll be made more aware of God's presence and God's grace and God's activity. We say you'll be salt and light everywhere you go, that you will not be another, uh, another component of the noise in the world, but you'll be different as a child of God. You'll be a carrier of God's presence everywhere you go. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.